Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you to become that confident leader and take your business and your life to the next level. Today, I have with me Dorothy Mashburn, and let me tell you about Dorothy. She is a leading authority in negotiation who has a burning mission to champion the underserved at corporate tables and close the gender pay gap. We could talk about that for days. With a track record of negotiating pivotal deals with global giants and managing international teams, her unique insights empower her, empower minorities and women to achieve their dream jobs and salaries. Of course, wouldn't be my find your leadership confidence unless I had this as confidence mastery as the title. So we're going to talk about confidence mastery. Please join me welcoming my guest, Dorothy Mashburn. Hi, Dorothy. Hi, Vicki. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Yes. Negotiation is not something people often run to. (laughs) It's often they run away from it. People just... (laughs) don't like what is perceived as potential tension or stress. But I think if you do things right, it can avoid some of that and uh, come out with a good outcome. So I'm anxious to have you share some of your wisdom and your experience with the audience. Absolutely. That is, uh, you hit the nail on the head. A lot of people run away from negotiations because in uh, historically or in media, negotiation has been portrayed as this high octane, extremely aggressive, uh, tactic oriented, uh, uh, aggressive maneuver. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, negotiation needs to be reframed in society and in media uh, as a conversation that allows two parties to find mutually beneficial solutions. Yeah. And and do it in a way that doesn't bring on the stress and, yeah. and anxiety. Exactly. So- and especially for women uh, as entrepreneurs or as executives, Uh, We have learned from the playbook of men because that's who wrote the books, right? The Mm -hmm. negotiation books, the negotiation trainings, the seminars, all of the leaders of this field have talked about in terms of masculine energy, masculine leadership traits, and that's fine, right? But we've got them. Uh, for them, yeah, <laughs> but it's a little bit different for us. We face different challenges. Uh, and so that's why I, I do what I do is to translate some of those words or 
concepts into ways that work for female personalities, our type of leadership. And again, very generally speaking about uh, these concepts that we, we all have different uh, ways of doing things. But generally speaking, um, my work is about translating and making negotiation skills accessible to everyone. Very good. So let's step back a minute. I always ask an easy question to start, and that is just share with the audience where you are living right now. I live in Phoenix, Arizona. Ah, Beautiful, nice. sunshiny days here right now, and uh, no cold or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the evenings get chilly there. They do. You're right. Mm -hmm. They do. For us, anyway, because we're used yes. to the heat. Yeah. Yes. Desert yeah. always is cooler. So... Give us a little bit of background or the journey that you took to get you where to where you are today to become this expert in negotiations. Tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah. So I am a uh, immigrant from India, a small um, remote uh, village in the foothills of the Himalayas. Mm. Uh, and uh, very, 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 very remote, very few people from over there, over in the Western side. Um, I started my journey in undergrad school. Um, and at that time, uh, I didn't have, uh, other than the classroom education, there was not a lot of social support or social structure to help me understand uh, corporate dynamics, you know, mm. how to navigate, uh, how to, you know, speak up, be visible, navigate mm. challenges, navigate politics. And so I am sort of uh, the person I needed 20 years ago for people who are trying to do the same. Uh, and over time, I um, fell into uh, a lot of negotiations um, uh, you know, over the years, I've uh, now I do about 100 to 200 deals a year. Um, and so over the years, I've done over 500 negotiations. And I work with a lot of um, executives from different companies, Fortune 500 companies. And I also manage a team. And over the years, I've really, uh, people reach out to me all the time to ask about, hey, I'm negotiating this. Can you provide some insights? or I'm asking for a promotion, can you help me uh, use the right talk tracks? Uh, and I, I realized that I was using a lot of my practice that I do in negotiations uh, on business deals mm. on applying them to salary negotiations and confidence mastery. Um, and so that's when like uh, during the pandemic, I really started um, thinking about a business model where I would provide this as a service and uh, and I did. And I uh, started my business uh, about a year ago and it has been extremely fulfilling uh, and rewarding uh, having so many women reach out and say, hey, I need I need help. And, and I just want to kind of talk a little bit, you know, you're from a small town. Talk to the audience about some of the challenges that you had to overcome because, all right, so you're from India, culture in a small town is is probably limiting, if you will. And now you have to stand up to these big executives that think, first of all, you're a woman. Second of all, you know, I don't know how tall you are, but maybe you're not as tall as they yeah, are. Yeah, it's like five, three. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So day. you're a small woman <laughs> and you have a, a great credentials. Maybe, maybe you're just starting out. And so 
what are some of the things that you learned that really helped you get that mindset where it needed to be so you could be confident? You knew you knew what you knew and that you could help them make things better. Yeah. You know, I'll give you a story. I was sitting, uh, this is in a early, maybe about 15 years ago, I was sitting in the boardroom. It was one of my first negotiations in a boardroom, uh, sitting across, um, it's a, it's a giant, um, it's a, it's a, uh, I guess it's um, one of the big companies like GE Phillips type companies. I'm sitting across some of their executives all in black suits and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I had to negotiate a deal with them. And uh, of course, I, inside, you know, the, the person who is the, who's feeling like the imposter, who's mm-hmm. feeling like, um, you know, that I don't belong and somebody's going to call me out, that I don't know yeah. what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm sitting there. I remember just nervous as 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 can be. Um, I am convinced somebody's going to say, "Excuse me, can you go sit on the side of the table?" But I'm leading the negotiation, uh, and I was, I guess, fortunately or unfortunately, my CEO at that time was supposed to lead it, and he got called away to another meeting. So I had prepped everything. I just wasn't going to be the leader. But since he stepped away, um, I had to step in, and I wasn't. You know, I wasn't ready to lead it, but I also knew that this was my chance uh, and I wasn't going to lose my chance. You know, a lot of it is intent uh, about confidence is, you know, you you do it through your fear, uh, Mm -hmm. I've found. And so I was sure sitting there, you know, like shivering in my shoes, um, thinking somebody's going to say, you know, it's like, go sit at this table, you know, the the kid's table. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I did at that time was um, I went to the restroom and, um, you know, there was a, this technique called parking your fears. And that's what I did. I didn't know that's what I was doing at that time. But you basically find a parking lot and you put all your anxieties, all your fears and, and say, I'm going to come back to you. Not just not yet, you know, mm-hmm. and you put it in a box in a parking lot. And that's what I did. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, that has really um, that was the first time that I that I did it. And now I teach that technique to my clients as to how mm-hmm. to park your fears uh, and then just tell your fears to that you'll come back to them. They're not gone. Right. They're just parked for now. Right. And I, I think as you were telling this story, it just made me realize that your boss was confident in you. Because he would not have let, he would have canceled that meeting, rescheduled it, but he knew you could do it. And I always talk when I teach confidence to my folks that I'll believe in you until you believe in yourself. And so that's what he did for you. He Mm -hmm. believed you could do this. And in the back of your mind, you had to have (laughs) understood that maybe, maybe subconsciously okay, I can't let him down because he thinks I can do this. Absolutely. So I, I'm going to do this. <laughs> that is such a good point. And, you know, uh, you look back at that time, you're, you're, uh, you're a nervous wreck. Um, yes. But then you look back and you're so grateful for those opportunities that somebody mm-hmm. opened doors for you and somebody believed in you. And it's so true. Absolutely true. Yeah, I know. I, my first job as a supervisor the paperwork was filled out by my boss and he said, sign here. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I don't know that I could. And he says, you got this. And 
you know, I wasn't going to let him down. So, and, and it was the, as for you, the best thing that ever happened to me to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the thing is though, you made the decision to not let him down. So a part yeah. of it is you as well, like your intention and your mm -hmm. decision to do that. Right. So uh, oftentimes whenever we are up for our, our yearly evaluations and, or even looking for a job going out and, and you'll get that question, well, how much do you expect to be paid? And mm -hmm. we as women often <laughs> give a number that's far lower than we're worth. So how or what do you answer to the question, what are your salary expectations? Yeah, that is a question. It's funny because about two hours ago, I had a call with a client and we were talking about that. Mm -hmm. uh, and there is a lot of literature that goes both ways. You can um, deflect where you can say, you know, let's talk about the role first, um, or you can anchor by putting out a big number out there uh, and the conversation gets, um, you know, uh, wrapped around that bigger number. Mm -hmm. the, both are, there are no right or wrong answers, but what I've found with working with women is that number usually if you throw out is relatively small than what you're truly worth. Mm -hmm. So if you're worth 325,000, most women will probably say 260. So it's mm -hmm. a huge difference. So when you're anchoring, unless you have solid data and you know for a fact that you can truly speak up for your worth, then I would recommend taking the second route, which is understand what the role is about, yeah. because that gives you an idea about what price tag to put on it. And yeah. so what you would say is this, is uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my salary expectations. I'd like to understand more about the role, what it entails, because generally uh, there's uh, there's a lot more than the job description. I'd like to get to un understand each other, the culture, and what I can do to help move the needle forward. And then you let them talk and just stop mm -hmm. talking after that. So the, the other side of this is for we entrepreneurs, we have to create programs and courses and different packages, coaching packages and things, and don't always do a great job at pricing that either. We we may write down the number, what we think it should be, but then when it comes to negotiating with the potential client for that, if they're not in agreement right away, they don't recognize your worth right away, that number could get lowered by you or them. Yes. <laughs> so talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, my recommendation is never discount your services. Uh, because when you start working the discounting game, you are then discounting your worth. Um, so what I would what I would say is when you do run into a client who is questioning. So say your uh, package is worth 100,000 and, and I'm making this up. Um, and you start doing, oh, really 80,000, 70,000. Uh, first of all, there's no bottom to that. You, you'll continue mm -hmm. to discount. It's a race to the bottom. Um, and second of all, you're then saying that, you know, you're not Gucci or you're not Louis mm -hmm. Vuitton, you know, you're right. something else. Um, and so what needs to change is not your price point. What needs to change is your sales pitch 
and your client who you're attracting. Uh, mm -hmm. So if that person is saying, well, you're worth uh, only 50,000 to me, well, then, you know, that's not the client that you want. Right, right. Um, you know, and it's it's hard uh, because we all have bills to pay. <laughs> we all want a successful uh, career, um, successful entrepreneurship. Uh, but that's that's the the thesis that you should work with. Yeah. That reminds me of whenever I worked for a fast food chain and we used to give, and this is in the eighties. So we used to give away free coupons for you. And, uh, and I would have customers come in or email me at the corporate office and ask for free coupons that they wouldn't buy with us unless they got free coupons. And it's like, but you like our products. Why don't yeah. you just pay for our products? But they wanted free. And so we stopped giving away free coupons exactly as a, a reward because it was setting a precedence and expectation that you know our fries or whatever you're not going to get unless you get a coupon. So. Yeah, yeah, it's attracting the wrong client. And I th I went to MBA school in the 2000s, and by then I think the businesses had enough data points where they were talking about firing your customer, and it's kind of a I guess a tough way to say yeah. you want to attract the right customers to your business. Yeah. One of my coaches always says, I don't work with jerks. And I, and I think that's something, as you said, it's hard to, to walk away from business, potential mm -hmm. business, but if that potential business is going to bring you heartache or that person is constantly going to question your program cost and things, yep. then it, they aren't the right customer for you. Yeah. Yeah. They're not, they're not feeling the value and benefit of what you bring. And so they can find someone else to help yeah. them and, and you can yeah. move on. <laughs> exactly. You know, so what I do is, you know, uh, with my client services, uh, clients 10x or 12x their investment that they make with me. So I have no problem believing that that is a solid ROI mm. for my, for my clients. You know, like I don't, I don't worry that I'm trying to take advantage of them or I'm charging something that is, uh, you know, out of sync, um, I can deliver results. And so if the same way, if you think about your business and say, if my clients are getting 10 to 15 X, what uh, investment they're making in me, then I should not hesitate to quote my price. Yeah, for sure. So <clears throat> when do you walk away? You know, you're negotiating, say you're negotiating for a salary, negotiating for big client. When do you know in your gut that it's just time to walk away, that that this is not going to go anywhere? Yeah, yeah. You know, the couple of things is when we teach negotiation, we also talk about an option B. So you're creating simultaneously a second option. So say you're an entrepreneur, you have two customers, one who you think has the pocketbook and can and can pay you, uh, and one you don't know yet. So between the two, you know, uh, the likelihood is that you're going to go after the customer that's going to pay you more because your mm -hmm. option B may or may not be very solid. However, if your first option starts looking like your option B, so when those two things become equal, it's time to walk away. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the concept. Uh, and um, in, in salary negotiation, if 
you know, or say, let's say a pay raise discussion, like a performance reviews are coming right. up and mm-hmm. you're asking for uh, a pay raise because you've de- you've done all of these things. So like um, number one, two, three, four, five, five things you've done for the company that's helped revenue costs, efficiencies, uh, and you're asking for a pay raise and they deny it. Um, mm-hmm. And then you say, mm, um, you know, what else can you do? Like, so maybe budgets are tight. What else can you do? And say you get a non-committal answer. Now you'll start knowing that there's not a lot of future with with this manager or this company or this role, uh, Mm because you're gonna go uh, dead end after dead end after dead end. And that's when you say, I'm gonna go become an entrepreneur or I'm gonna look for my second job or Mm -hmm. look elsewhere. So that's what, that's like the clues that they'll tell you. And whenever we talk about salary negotiations and you talked about end of year reviews and, and Thinking about this new environment that we have with remote workers and your manager, boss, supervisor doesn't see you every day. What should you become armed with? And and I would say, if you don't have it now, at the start of the year, what should you anticipate you should have in your arsenal for that conversation, that discussion? to be able to stand up to what you would like or what you feel you deserve. Yeah. You should approach your performance review discussion like a business, uh, like you're going to get an investment for a business. Uh, You should have all the things you did for your company last year and how that correlated to the business growth. So a lot of women, uh, especially, tend to get very busy with doing things. You know, we love multitasking, keeping our hands busy, keeping our minds busy, but not not all of it will translate to what the company recognizes as value. Mm -hmm. So it's you have, first of all, if you haven't done this, be intentional in 2024 about doing only the things that the company values as value add, um, or has some sort of long-term payoff for you. Um, Mm -hmm. Or, um, and like, if you, if you've already done that last year, go in with a one pager, you know, here are like 10 things I did, and this is how it improved the company. Mm -hmm. So that's what you go with um, when you go in to talk to your manager. Yeah. And if you're a manager out there, I would suggest that you have that same one pager to uh, be able to at least share, you know, what did you see? For my people, I had all the things that they did well yeah, documented, as well as areas that I thought that could be improved upon. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to only focus on the negative because I wanted them to see that I I do see you. I do see what you're contributing, and I appreciate that, and I want that to continue. But there are areas that were maybe holding you back. And as personal development, I, I want you to be aware of those so that we can work together to have that change. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You you, you and, and you want to have it as a conversation, right? Like let mm-hmm. me uh show you the path to your dreams, like whatever yeah. it is. Here are all the things you're doing right, and here is the gap that you can work on this year to help you bridge and get to wherever it is that that person wants to get to. Yeah. And that's especially helpful when you do have a high performer, mm-hmm. but you can see that there's some anxiety or frustration and, but you know, that things will change 
mm-hmm. you don't want to lose them. Yeah. And, and so as a negotiator, you know, how I think it's important that you be able to share some of the vision that you have and see if you can sway that person to stay a little longer, unless it's no longer the right time for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talk a lot about um, in negotiation and leadership, we talk a lot about emotional uh, intelligence and emotional balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of high performers, um, and I find this in my day-to-day job, uh, are are very quick to learn and very quick to um, master a particular task or a role. And then they get antsy. You know, it's like, yeah. okay, now what's next? What's next? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I work on with my team is that emotional balance. Like, yes, you can master the technique. But do you have self-control, self-mastery to mm. to be, you know, to be present at hard situations, have mm. those tough conversations and negotiations? And that's where we can find the gaps and help them um, bridge that gap and, and get to kind of their full potential. Right. And that's the ultimate thing that we want. Yeah. So we talked about confidence and one of my areas that I work on folks is charisma. You know, when you walk in that room, do people take notice? So talk about confidence and charisma and how you can build that. Yeah. Um, the, the, the start of any of this is being good with yourself, right? Uh, unless you truly believe in yourself, truly believe in your expertise. Like I was at that boardroom uh, mm-hmm. table, right? I wasn't confident. I didn't know what, you know, but what I had to get back to is I know what I'm doing here, you know? And so you have to find in your core that whatever it is that you're walking into, you are good with it. Like, you know, your subject, you know, the people. And if you don't prepare, right? Uh, Don't go in, you know, winging it uh, because you're not going to feel confident then. Uh, And especially for women, um, you know, there is a concept of fake it till you make it, but I would argue that you can't fake it unless, unless you do the preparation, unless you know the players and unless you seed, you know, what it is that you're trying to do ahead of time with the players there. Um, Mm -hmm. So I would say that's a tactic that I would Mm -hmm. use. Um, and I call it shadow negotiation. So you like plant a seed uh, mm-hmm. so that you have support. And so when you walk in, um, you know, you already know the people. So you're right. not walking into the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you can, you there are all kinds of like research out there where you, you know, have body language, where right. you're talking with palms forward when you're trying to invite somebody to have a discussion, you know, you are meeting, eye, having eye right. contact. You're actively listening. All of those add to your charisma, um, and um, and we do a lot of work on that with people to um, mm-hmm. to get that. And there's a literature, and then there's a practice. You know, once right. you start practicing, that really helps you uh, get that confidence and charisma. And and it is the tone and empathy and demonstration that you're listening to understand and not listening to just give a notice where the break is, so you can say a hundred things more to look brilliant. And in the fact that if you're not listening, you may say something. And I've been in meetings like this where that they responded with nothing about where the conversation was going. It was just what they wanted to say next and derailed the conversation. Yeah. And, and part of it is because we have double binds that we face, right? If we're too quiet, we're seen as too meek. 
Yes. Um, I'm talking about women, right? Yes. So we overcompensate by talking too much, but the opposite is true. Like the quieter mm-hmm. you are, the more self-assured you seem uh, and the more confident you seem. Absolutely. So there's a balance. So how do you then build that that executive presence? We used to say, dress for the job you want, act like the job, the, the position you want. So how do you build that that executive presence? And and I think, you know, you have your corporate executive, you have your entrepreneur. There are different, but I guess it's for the job that you want in that leadership position, maybe is mm-hmm. a better way to say. Yeah. Yeah. Executive presence, there are various components to what makes up what we perceive as executive presence and the literature, you know, there's uh, six or seven different components, but generally speaking, um, it's how, uh, how you project your voice. So the gravitas mm-hmm. in your voice, mm-hmm. uh, that's one, how you dress. Those are, those are sort of the easy ones to, uh, to master. Then are you doing more or are you planning more? So if you're a doer, you're not seen as having executive presence, but if mm-hmm. you are a planner and vision builder, you're seen mm-hmm. as somebody with presence. Um, I would say the difference between the masculine and feminine energy. So if you're trying to be somebody you're not, so if you're just coming off as super aggressive and that's not your style, mm-hmm. um, so that fakeness, so removing the fakeness and really being authentically you, and that's being thrown around a lot nowadays. But what I see it as, who uh, who are you when you feel the safest, right? Mm-hmm. How do you uh, How do you sound? How do you feel? you know, bring that self to every, every occasion and you'll be authentically you. Like, who are you with your mm-hmm. friends? Who are you with mm-hmm. your family? Um, so that's, that's another um, component of executive presence. And then the final one, uh, most important is that emotional balance. How do you mm-hmm. react to negativity? How do you re- re- react if somebody tells you no? Uh, how do you rebound from it? So that's, that's like the final component of it. Right. And I always like it whenever you feel you allow yourself to be yourself, you you are comfortable in your skin, that's when you appear the most confident. Yes. And, and for me, it, it really was around age 50 that I no longer cared what anybody was trying to, to make me into or, or do with me or ra- rise up to. I just knew what I wanted to be and who I wanted to be. And if I couldn't be it where I was, I would go somewhere else. Yeah. And that feeling, that assurance just was this whole aura about you that mm-hmm. people then all of a sudden the doors opened everywhere and it was like, okay, I'm, st- I'm the person that I've always been, but really it was how you were presenting yourself that changed. And don't you wish you could go back, like tell tell your 30 year old self to like, come on, you shouldn't care as much. Mm -hmm. I mean, you care, but you don't care to a point where it's detrimental to your own confidence. Right, right. I mean, and that's why I do what I do now. The whole idea of the podcast and my courses and training and everything is I I don't want people to wait till they're 50. I want to teach you that in your teens and in your 20s so that you can make wonderful things throughout your whole life, not just towards the last uh, chapter, if you will. Yeah, yeah. So 
How else do women self-sabotage their negotiations? Yeah. Mm, so one big area, not just negotiations, uh, careers as well. Um, women tend to the one, and again, I'm speaking very generally here. Uh, so bear with me. Uh, women tend to, like I, I've said before, stay very busy. And mm -hmm. so I was talking to a client, a potential client, and she was saying, I'm already working 70 hours. Mm -hmm. Like you can't possibly expect me to work more. And, and she, um, you know, she was making around 120 and based on her experience and her skill sets, you know, we estimated that she could be making 250 to 60. Um, and, you know, she um, equated that higher salary with more work. Yeah. You know, she didn't, she couldn't um, on her own understand that you, you work, you work hard, but you don't have to work all the time. Right. Um, so that's a leap, um, you know, interestingly mm. for women to make, they feel like to make the 260 proportionately, their workload is going to increase yeah. and they're already putting in so many hours. So how yeah. are they going to find more hours? Um, and, and that's something we have to reframe in our minds. Right. I hear that all the time. How could you do all the things that you do? And, and, and I don't work 24 seven, Yeah, <laughs> but exactly. I, I, you know, and, and I do in this early stages of my business, I do things that I will be forming out to VAs because it's yeah. not bringing in money. It's, it's busy work, admin work, whatnot, but it has to be done. Yeah, And so I, I think that's the leap that you were talking about earlier. You have to get that mindset of being that that person who is operational and become strategic. And mm -hmm. that's when the money starts coming in. Yeah. Yeah. We have a lot a tendency to um be protective of our territories uh mm -hmm. and be try to be good at everything and and myself included, right? I have to keep reminding myself that mm -hmm. if somebody is great at podcast engineering, I shouldn't have to learn that because they can do that work in, you know, hundredth the time that I can. So I shouldn't have, you know, and I can, you know, get everybody to do 10%. So I get thousand percent from, uh, you know, so many people versus I don't have thousand percent to give. Right. Um, so it, it's really being strategic about mm -hmm. how mm -hmm. you use resources and that's going to serve you no matter what you're trying to do with life. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, whether you're trying to climb the corporate ladder or uh, jump into entrepreneurship. Very true. Well, time is flying by. <laughs> we'll have to have you on again to just talk further about three different subjects that I can think of in my mind. But one rapid question. In this last year, you as you've taken on this new venture, new path in your journey, what lessons have you learned? That's a good question. There's so many. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the lesson, I think there is a lot more people with an abundance mindset out there than you find in your corporate life. Um, so if you reach out like on LinkedIn or like well, you, you and I found each other on Podmatch, people want to build communities yeah. and people are waiting to, you know, are, are ready and willing and help helpful to any reach outs. Um, so it has been a very pleasant surprise um, I've reached out to people who could be seen as competitors in my space. I've reached out to people who, you know, I mean, who could be literally just 
take my business and and copy it. Uh, but yet there is this spirit of uh, community. Um, and if you're trying to build your network, please don't be afraid. Uh, yeah. People are more than happy to help. And uh, it's been a wonderful experience. And I think that's an important message too, is that you should ask for help. Mm-hmm. You know, there are thousands of us coaches out there with all different things. You know, I teach leadership, I teach uh, public speaking, you do what you do. And, but it's who do you resonate with? Exactly. Who do you feel comfortable with and go with that person and, and don't be hesitant to try to reach out. You know, I always say that this is the best way to network, test the water, see, do you have a connection with that person and reach out to them. And, but you never know what magic will happen. Absolutely. And it is magic. When you find that fit, it yeah. is so much, so much magic. Yeah. So good. All right. It is time now for me to share my screen. As I always remind you, if you have not taken notes during this wonderful interview we've had or conversation, Shame on you, but go get your pencil paper right now because I'm going to share my screen with contact information so that you can get in contact with Dorothy. So her website, hopefully you've got that pencil going, is https colon forward slash forward slash www.dorothymashburn.com. And um, I have you can find out about her by just typing about Dorothy. But if you just go DorothyMashburn.com, you will find it. Facebook, you can look up Dorothy Mashburn and you will find her. Um, if you're looking at the screen, you can take a screenshot to get those numbers that I don't know why Facebook does that to make it so confusing to us. <laughs> Instagram, she is DorothyMashburn.Negotiator because that's what she does. Dorothy Mashburn dot negotiator Instagram, LinkedIn. She's Dorothy dash Mashburn and some numbers, but just search Dorothy and Mashburn. You will find her Pinterest fight for your worth fight for your worth on Pinterest. Twitter is D mash underscore negotiate. TikTok is at Dorothy Mashburn. And so, so is YouTube at Dorothy Mashburn. I'm going to let Dorothy talk to you about, what you will find when you go to the website and those various social media to help you grow in maybe uh, grow your salary and improve your negotiation skills. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, please go to my website, dorothymashburn.com. There is a lot of freebies um, under free training. There is uh, so much free uh, things that I want to make it available because I truly am on a mission to close the gender pay gap. And, you know, if you uh, if we don't have a good fit, I still want you to have the information at your fingertips, which is why I make it available for free. Um, and then TikTok, I'm I'm quite regular with posting uh, tidbits on TikTok um, mm-hmm. that you can find for pay raises, um, negotiating interview preparation, how to anticipate questions and in interviews and uh, answer them like a negotiation professional. Um, YouTube, um, I have a lot of guests on my podcast, Salary Negotiation. Mm-hmm. 
uh, made simple. And so YouTube has um, all of the video recordings that you can access. Um, and then finally, my gift to you uh, is ask uh, dorothymashburn.com forward slash ask for a raise. Uh, this is a step-by-step -step script that you can swipe today and use it for your performance reviews. A lot of companies are doing uh, performance reviews. Um, if they haven't already done them, they're coming up. Uh, so prepare yourself ahead of time. Uh, preparation goes a long ways yeah. um, to get you set up. Um, and so even, um, you know, even if you go through it, practice it once, you'll feel so much um, more confident when you're asking uh, for uh, the money, for the value that you bring. Um, so go uh, get it. Uh, interestingly, this is one of my highest uh, requested um, freebies on my website. Um, out of every 100 uh, times somebody visits this uh, uh, site, <laughs> uh, 92 people have picked it up. So 92% um, and uh, people have really benefited. Um, so so go get it. Awesome. Well, Dorothy, it's been wonderful chatting with you. And as I said, we can probably talk on a bunch of other things. Uh I didn't even touch on the personal branding that you do on LinkedIn and how you can help people with that. So that's probably what we'll have to do next time you come around. But uh, it's been wonderful chatting with you. Absolutely, Vicki. Likewise, thank you for your wonderful questions and your great presence here. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. And as I do always, I remind everyone that life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nethling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.